Good evening and you're welcome to another episode of the Rugby Show here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brett Early, and of course again this week once again our AIL expert Kieran Nobles joining us to have a look through all of the action across the league, men's, women's uh, over the last couple of weeks and uh, of course into this weekend. It's a big weekend for the ladies. We're going to be talking to Mairead Holden in just a couple of moments ahead of Black Rocks. Uh, home semi-final in the women's AIL this weekend. Uh, we'll also be hearing uh, later in the show from Garage Prendergast of Young Monster after their big win at the weekend while Kieran's going to take a run through uh, all of the divisions later on in the show for us as well as a little chat with our own uh, women's AIL expert Jeremy Carney who'll be drop- dropping in for a look at everything uh, in the initial stages of the league. Kieran, um big weekend last weekend. Where were you? What were you up to? What games were you covering? I was actually, so I wasn't meant to be doing commentary last week, but my good friend Justin Middleton, his wife, congratulations to them. They had a baby during the night on Friday, so I was called into action late, but I, I didn't do too bad. Trinity Young Munster, so I was happy with my own performance, which usually I am, and so that was good. Absolutely, Young Munster, of course, we'll hear more about that game later on. You caught up, of course, with Garrods earlier in the season. But first, before we bring Raid into the conversation, um, it's really all about the women this weekend. There is a full round of fixtures, of course, but the women down to the semi-finals, some real mouth-watering ties. Your own thoughts on that? Yeah, it's happened really quick, hasn't it? It's come around quite quick. And yeah, the semi-finals of this weekend, you've got Blackrock versus UL Bows, then you've got Railway against Belvoe. Then you've also got the conference semi-finals we shouldn't forget about either. You've got Wicklow, Ballincollig, and then you've got uh, Galwegian, Setonians. So there's lots happening in the women's divisions and then the finals next week. So, yeah, lots happening. The men's season is coming to their midway point, but for the women, the, the first competition and the first bit of silverware, there's a chance for them to win that by next weekend. So it's really heating up. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, big weekend as well. So maybe let's uh, bring in Mairead into the conversation. Mairead, very welcome to the programme. Thanks very much for having me. It's been an exciting year so far for Blackrock. Um, beaten last year, obviously, in the, in the final of this competition. But uh, you've topped the group stages. You've topped the initial league. You've got to be happy with how the season's going so far. Yeah, absolutely delighted. We couldn't be happier. Um, we're unbeaten uh, in the regular season so far. And, I mean, from one match to the next, to bring that kind of momentum with us. We've been building and building since September. And, like, the atmosphere and the attitude, the kind of camaraderie and everything at training every night like as we're nearing the semi-final here it's like top-notch it's a really great atmosphere to be in um, and it's nice to come into it with that unbeaten confidence as well like obviously there's no foregone conclusions or anything but it's just a really nice position to be in at this stage of the season. Last season you got to the final obviously against Railway Union and you just kind of they narrowly edged you on the day but you beat them a couple of weeks ago in 1917 so that must give you great confidence. Yeah, obviously it's a massive rivalry between ourselves and Railway Union every year and pipped up the post last year was like extremely disappointing, especially with it being such a close game, so little in it and like every time we play them it's like um, an absolutely attritional battle, like I'm not sure I've ever been as tired as I was after that um, Railway game a couple of weeks ago, beating them by two points, I mean it was such a sweet victory to to beat them, uh, first time we had a chance to come up against them since that uh, loss in the AIL league last year so it was really really great to beat them especially they were at home we were away so they had the home crowd but we still got some traveling support and it was really there's nothing sweeter than beating your your biggest rivals on their home ground 
obviously you could bring a wealth of experience to the, the side you've been involved in the game a long time uh, how have you seen the involvement of the of the league over the last couple of seasons in terms of uh, where it's going and, and and the quality of players that are now coming into the league across the board not just in the top sides yeah there's a bit of chopping and changing going on with the format um so, you know, last year with the the top four conference um, after Christmas, it worked out great because there was people playing um, games with great competition a- across the board. Whereas uh, this year they've gone back to everybody playing everybody else and there's some really big scorelines there. So I'm not sure what it'll be like next year again. Um, as regards the way they did it last year, it really helped the likes of Wicklow come on. Um, like they had some really competitive games and now they're, they were like fighting for top four this year. So, I mean, it really did work to help them come on. Um, you know, this year, I'm, I'm not sure did it do a disservice to some of the teams who just, you know, were on the receiving end of a load of uh, big scoreline uh, defeats. So I wonder what they'll do for next year. Of course, we have Cup coming off coming up after Christmas, which is a bit of a different format again. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, the... Um, the top three or four teams seems are staying the same year on year, but there is a bit of movement below that. So as I said, um, Wicklow really showing up this year and, you know, the likes of um, Galwegians are still there and thereabouts. And uh, some of the teams then have, are having excellent matches, um, you know, the likes of Balancolic and um, Balancolic and Cook and, and games like that. There's some great competition there. So there still are excellent matches to be watched across the board. Obviously, it's been a great season for BlackRock and there's probably been a few standout moments and a few standout players for you this season. Who would you think or what would you think have been the standout moments? Yeah, going down to UL Bowes, um, I don't know when was it, sometime in October, I think, and uh, coming away with a, like a 50-odd point victory. Like We went down there confident, we went there down there to win. But I mean, we've had some tough games against UL Bowes in the past. We've gone down there, we've been beaten or we've gone down there and battled it out in like the freezing cold and the, the lashings of rain and like come out the, the wrong side of it. So we went down there confident. We had wins under our belts from the first few games and we were hoping to win. But we really stamped our authority on the game there. And I feel like it was a bit of a turning point in our season for us. Uh, we kind of just realised how good we can be. Um, we had a really like flowing game running rugby and um, playing down on their Astro actually suited us, I think. Um, and then we followed it up against Old Belvedere the next day, which I would have to say is the highlight of the season for me personally so far. We had our, like, we were pinned, or I can't remember what that phrase is. Anyway, we were losing and we needed to show some some gumption to, like, turn it around and get that back. And uh, we ended up coming out victorious there as well and even managed to score a try thanks to Maid Liston for doing all the running for me, which is not really a very normal uh, feature of, of my matches. I'm normally stuck in the second row doing the donkey work and let the try score into the others. But, um, yeah, it was a fantastic uh, game just to see that we were, like, under pressure. It was a really tight game between us and Belvo. They were worthy opponents. And, again, we were away to them, so... Uh, to turn that around and end up victorious that day. That was um, probably the highlight of the season so far for me. You won that game by nine points uh, in the end of October. And I suppose, how important is it when you're in those situations that you do have that little bit extra, that you're not giving away losing bonus points to teams that in and around you in the league table? Is that something that you're aware of during, during a game or is it something that just kind of you think about maybe after the final whistle's gone? Yeah, I suppose depending on the game at hand, like you might be going in there realising that you really, you know, you have to win. You have to win with a bonus point. You're thinking about the different permutations on the table or whatever. 
But uh, that game against Belva was just like win at all costs type of game for us because like our aim at the start of the season was to be in the final, to win the final. Um, so we still have one more step to go to get to the final. Uh, so we don't want to be thinking too far ahead. Obviously, there was lots of little goals along the way and the goal um, against Old Belvedere was to win. Uh, bonus point or not, it was to win that game. So we did that. But I mean, uh, at other stages in the season, you would be really thinking about, um, you know, can we win with a, a bonus point here because we're vying for top spot on the table or whatever. We were at top of the table at the start of the season and just the way things worked out with the order in which we played games and stuff, then we moved down the table while people had, or we had a game in hand and other teams didn't. So uh, poking our heads back up to the top there a couple of weeks ago felt really satisfying um, after our unbeaten streak to beat uh, Railway Union and top them on the table. There. That was uh, another highlight of the season so far, I guess. I know you're a maths teacher and uh, you're from TIP as well, aren't you? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in rugby. Yeah, we have a grand tip contingent on the team, actually. There's myself, Mavo O'Leary, uh, Aoife Moore and Dorothy Wall. So we're, we're representing, I think only Donegal beats us. Uh, Dublin doesn't get a look in. Um, but um, yeah, went to college in UL, actually. Um, so up against UL Bows, uh, there's not a massive amount of rivalry for me because I wasn't into rugby at all at the time, but it still is, um, you know, a bit of nostalgia there. Um, uh, so I, when I finished college, I went to the Middle East teaching. I was in Abu Dhabi and it's there that one of the PE teachers in the school I taught in was also the coach for the women's side in Abu Dhabi Harlequins. And he kind of dragged me along and I was like, look, I have no interest in rugby. Don't know the first thing about it. Uh, despite also being a PE teacher, I don't teach it anymore, but that's what I did in college. Um, I just wasn't interested in rugby. And he was like, no, no, you'll love it. And he was right. One training session, I was hooked. Now, we only ever played sevens out there at the time because there wasn't enough for 15s. So played two years of sevens, um, including going to the Dubai sevens local competition. I know that's on again this weekend or this week or whatever. Best weekend of the year out in the Middle East. So jealous of all the girls flying out and guys. Um, so when I came home from Abu Dhabi, then I just was like, well, I want to continue playing rugby. So I sought out my local team. I was living in Lucan at the time. So joined Clondalkin. I was there for a couple of years, but kind of uh, um, in and around playing a bit of uh, Ireland sevens development and Leinster 15s and kind of the few the coaches there were saying to me I just needed to go play AIL so uh, checked out my options and Blackrock was the one for me and luckily they took me on and I haven't looked back since so been playing with them for eight seasons uh, Ali Coleman and I joined the same time and Michelle Claffey's the only one that beats us for um, longevity in the club so I'm one of the uh, the senior members for sure. How's the body holding up? Because I know as you get more experienced, as you start that term more experienced, uh, you start to feel the effects of those hits a little bit longer. So now, now it's not just Saturday evening, it's Sunday, it's Monday, it's Tuesday before you can kind of get, get back to yourself again. How have you been finding that kind of as you, you've got older in the team? Yeah, yeah. More experience uh, is definitely older in my case, especially since I didn't start till I was like 22 or something. But anyway, yeah. Um, I guess I would have to say that I felt it more last season than I did this season. And at the end of last season, I thought I was done. I was fully retired there for about four months before I made a triumphant comeback in September. Because um, I just was exhausted, as you say. Now, I think uh, getting COVID uh, right in the middle of last season probably didn't help my case. But that was like um, definitely physical exhaustion really, really got to me last season. But I think um, I'm fighting fit this year. And we've got a new SNC coach, uh, Craig, into, um, you know, he's absolutely 
Craig Bulger, sorry, I was just trying to think of his surname there. He's absolutely excellent. Love keeping on top of player welfare as well as like getting the meters into our legs and everything. And, you know, he has us GPS up at training and for matches and he's watching the meters and he's watching the load. And, um, you know, he asks us every uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, like, how are we feeling on a scale of one to 10, et cetera, the soreness. And I have noticed myself entering a quite low score for how good my body is feeling on some Mondays and Tuesdays. But as I said, the load is managed really well. Uh, both the gym and the on-feet stuff uh, conditioning. So uh, I'm feeling very fit uh, this year and feel like, you know, there's been previous seasons when I was younger that I wasn't feeling as good. So age is not everything. And I suppose you've got a big two weekends coming up. You've got UL Bows on Saturday and then hopefully you have a final. But do you think this is your year now? You can win the AAL title? I really do, yeah. I mean... I felt this way last year as well, that it was going to be our year, but um, feel differently this year. Just things are coming together. Uh, we've got a wealth of, of youth as well as experience on our team now. And I mean, we're gelling really well. The atmosphere is really great. Like we're just taking momentum from one win to the next. And I do really feel like this is going to be our year. Um, you know, we've been pipped to the post last year and in the past we've gotten close as well. Like while I've been there for eight years, we've been in the final a couple of times. And to just go that one step further, um, it would just, you know, it would mean the world to not just myself, but like so many other girls on the team. And, you know, feeling as good in the camp. Obviously, we've got a semi-final to win uh, this weekend. That's our, our our only priority at this moment. But I mean, if we are to just take a quick peek at the following Friday, like it's absolutely everything is going to be on the line. Bodies on the line. We're going to leave everything on the pitch. Uh, if we make it that far. And I mean, it's going to be a tremendous battle. Whatever two teams are going to be in that final, it's going to be an amazing game. Uh, so I really am hoping it's going to be BlackRock and it's going to be BlackRock that are victorious at the end. And I feel like it definitely could happen. Like it's, um, we're definitely confident going into it this year, but we'll see how this weekend goes first. It's been played on TG Car as well, isn't it? Just next Friday, yeah. the final is, yeah. That's yeah, 7.30 well. on Friday the 9th, it'll be on TG Car. You've already got it in the diary. That's a bit of... I hope, I hope you're not disappointed at the weekend. Talk to us about the chances, though, because the actual game itself on, on Saturday, you've played them already in the season. It's had a fairly comfortable victory down there uh, back in, in, in October, I think you said. Um, mm. Last year, you played them twice. Won one, lost one very narrowly by a point, I think, uh, in yeah. the group stages. So it's always a tight enough encounter between yourselves and, and UL. Have you... Do you feel you've actually put that distance between you that the 50 points reflects the gap or are you expecting a much tighter game at the weekend? Yeah, I definitely think we're expecting um, a much tighter game at the weekend. Um, I know they've Nicole Cronin back and maybe some other changes of personnel. Um, so it might be an entirely different ball game on Saturday. Um, like, and as you said, it's always, it's a big rivalry there between us and Bose as well. You know, um, They've won several AILs in the last, you know, eight seasons that I've been playing with BlackRock. They've always been there and thereabouts. Like, and so anytime we've played them, it's been it's been close. You know, barring this game in October, that's the first time we've ever put that many points on them. Um, so as you said, it's usually a very close encounter, and we're expecting a very close encounter this Saturday as well. Uh, luckily, um, since we've t finished on top of the group, we get to invite them up to Blackrock and we love playing in Stradbrook up on our top pitch. It's a great pitch to play on. And, you know, we're going to have home support as well. Our men's match or our men's team have a match against uh, Nina ahead of us. So there's a nice double header down the club. 
we'll have some home support. We're by no means complacent. Like we know it's a big match and we have to win it. And it's not going to come easily by any stretch of the imagination. So we're really, really looking forward to it, but not expecting it to be easy at all. Just on the mention of men's game, of course, they're playing at the top of Division 2A at the moment. How much of a help is it when the the other teams in the club, and particularly the, t- the senior teams in the club, are pushing ahead and, and excelling in a season? Does that rub off on you a little bit as well? Absolutely, yeah. Saturday evening down in Stradbrook, um, if we've been playing men's team, women's team, seconds team, thirds team, if any of our teams have been playing we're in Blackrock, we're in Stradbrook afterwards, even if the matches were elsewhere in Dublin and we're celebrating together as a club. Um, the ca- the camaraderie off the pitch is, is amazing. Like the support as well that you get, like we get messages in from, you know, different members of the board into our WhatsApp group or messages through our manager, Jen, to c- wish us the best luck, to congratulate us. Uh, you know, you'll have people meeting you afterwards saying, oh, like I was getting the messages through on the WhatsApp, even though I was watching this game, I was also following your game and like, you know, you really get the impression that people in the club are interested in our games, in our success. They're congratulating your victories. You know, they're watching the games and telling you what you did well. And it's it's across the board. It's like every team in the club does it for each other. So, as I said, that doubleheader at the weekend, like, we'll be down uh, before we do our warm-up to, like, have a look at the start of the men's game. And, like, they'll be staying on to support us afterwards as well. It's like... It's not even a question of what they will be there. Like it's it's really good to have the support from everyone in the club, uh, players and supporters alike. Well, I think you probably have them all in support uh, on Saturday evening when you take on uh, UL Bows in that semi-final at the weekend. Listen, Ray, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. The best luck to your team, you and your team on a Saturday evening. And you never know, we might be chatting to somebody ahead of a potential final next week. All things going well. Fingers crossed. Thanks so much for having me. No problem at all. Maria Holohan there joining us, uh, of course, from BlackRock, and they're in action this weekend in one of two semi-finals in the, the I suppose, the, the top section of the league. Uh, the top four sides all face off on Saturday evening. Uh, the next four sides also in action. Talk to us a bit about the conference, Kiara, um, in terms of how that's going to work out as well. All games, I suppose, on Saturday. Well, it's... Cook didn't qualify for it because they finished in last place. So the way it works is fifth play eight. So in this case, Wicklow against Ballincollig. That'll be in Wicklow. And then it's Galwegians against Etonians. I think that one's in Galway. So yeah, Galwegians finished sixth. So that one is in Galway. Um, Galwegians will fancy themselves going into that one. And the same with Wicklow. They'll fancy their chances against Ballincollig. Uh, and then Wicklow, because they finished fifth, they have home advantage again in the final if they win, so the highest ranked team between the two teams in the final will get home advantage. So that'll be at next Saturday at five o'clock. So there's, you know, there's a lot on the line for Wicklow this Saturday and Balling Colleague. Um, and then like you've got four very competitive games on this weekend. And I think it it's great, you know, that we're seeing a bit of silverware up to Christmas because, you know, <laughs> going into the Christmas break with a medal around your neck, it could give you some buzz. So yeah, it's going to well, be it's- an interesting couple of weeks. Let's me have a look at who uh, our man on the ground, Jirma, thinks is going to be in the reckoning for those medals. Uh, Jirma, you've been following the Women's National or the Women's League of Ireland, should I say? Uh, League of Ireland, it's not the League of Ireland. That's a different <laughs> show. It's the uh, the Women's AIL. Um, you've been, I'm, I'm, my mind is getting muddled up. It's uh, a week to do that to you. Uh, but in terms of, um, you've been following the league, obviously, over the last eight rounds. Um into this weekend, are the right four teams in the semi-finals? 
Um, I do believe so. Uh, definitely the top three, um, as Bered had said, there were. It's pretty much the same top three. Definitely over the last couple of years, it's just a matter of where they were going to be placed. Whether Railway were going to finish top or BlackRock were going to finish top. Um, in the end, it was it was BlackRock who remained unbeaten. UL, to their credit, though, did remarkably well at that end stage of the season to finish fourth. Um, you know, someone said that you know Wicklow had a had a fairly tough run of games, especially those last two games where they were played against two teams that would finish in the top four as well. Whereas, um, you know, uh, UL took on the likes of Cook and who weren't. You know, that competitive this year, but the game against Galwegians was very, very competitive down in Anacotti. And, you know, UL, you know, they were there last year. They're there this year. I suppose if you ask them, they'd say, look, they deserve to be there. Start of the season, I it, to me, the start of the season, I was thinking it was going to be between Weegians or Wicklow. They were both looking very sharp off the off. But, you know, to UL's credit, fair play to them. And they'll want to be competitive this weekend as well. Yeah, look at the league table. Six points separate those fourth and fifth teams. So while maybe the the the, the order of the fixtures put a, a bit of a slant on the league table that maybe was just a little bit generous to one or two of the teams. Murray talked about it earlier in terms of how they dropped off and um, the top purely because they had a game in the hand on everybody else and and kind of UL were always kind of that game in hand behind everybody else as well. And once it kind of came to the business end and we started leveling off in terms of games played. They kind of took that fourth spot relatively straightforwardly. They, they did, I suppose, even in the the second to last weekend where Galwegians had that the the break, they didn't have a game that weekend. That allowed them to sit down after the game and go, right, we are going to take this to the last day. And knowing that their game was before Wicklow's game against Railway, they knew that right, if we get the job done, we've we've qualified. We're in the top four. They kind of knew straight away, so they knew. You know, here's what we need to do. And they went away and, and they did it and they got those results. And I know a couple of times where I was watching them throughout the season, I kind of said that they had they have the talent. They have a lot of young players, a lot of old players as well inside in that squad that would would want to get back in there, would want to be competitive. They wouldn't be happy with finishing fifth or sixth in the league table. They want to go back into fourth. And you know, look, they got there and they got those results. And I suppose that's what you want out of your team at the end of the, at the end of the season. This weekend is probably going to be the biggest game they will have all year. Um, and look, if they don't, if they don't pro- progress into a, a, a final from from this weekend, there is the cup that comes in the new year, and they'll definitely be a front runner for that if they can get that momentum that they had uh, at the end of the season for sure. Kieran, I'm not going to ask you about Wicklow because you're completely biased. But talk to us about the top four this weekend. Uh, first be fourth, second be third. Uh, will they go with home advantage? Will they go with the kind of the 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 higher finishers in the league progressing. Do you see this being a BlackRock Railway um, potential final, or or can Belvo or UL pose a bit of a surprise on Saturday? Uh, form would suggest it's going to be Railway and BlackRock. To be honest, um, probably the Railway Belvedere game, all Belvedere game, is probably going to be more competitive. I think I think BlackRock will beat UL Bows quite convincingly. If I'm honest, I think. Railway will have a slight edge over Old Belvedere, but you never know. Old Belvedere have some fantastic players. You've got Dana O'Brien playing 10 for them, who's one of the best young talents in Irish rugby. And if she turns up and plays really well, anything can happen. Belvo have an array of talent, but Railway have kind of been the team to beat in Irish women's rugby for probably the last three or four seasons. So, you know, 
that would suggest that we're going to see a railway Blackrock final. And I think it would be fair if it was a railway Blackrock final, to be fair, because railway, the only game they lost was against Blackrock. So it would be great to see them go at it again. And just on that point, uh, Dermot was saying about the top three was kind of a foregone conclusion. It was really, but the really only positive was that the fourth position, it was really competitive, that you had three teams in the mix for it. Because in years gone by, the whole top four has been pretty much set in stone the whole way across. So the fact that there was three teams in contention going into that that last game, I won't mention who was in contention, Breffney, because you might you might you might give out to me. But uh, there was three teams in con- in contention, which I think is a real positive for the league in general. That that is actually happening now. I still I know there's still a massive gap between the top three and the rest, but the fact that that fourth gap to fifth and sixth is getting a bit smaller, it is it is a good thing. Jeremy, two of those teams that were in the hunt for fourth place ultimately missed out, but they now go into the conference, for want of a better word to describe it. I'm not quite sure what the IRFU are, are calling it, but yeah. yeah, the conference semifinals, they'll go in, in the same way, uh, ranked fifth and sixth with home advantage. They come in with that bit of form. There is a bit of a gap between sixth and seventh uh, that, that we've seen so far, although I wouldn't put a pass to Tonians to, to maybe uh, cause a bit of a shock in Galway at the weekend. Um, are we looking at the same? Are we looking at those two sides being the, the runaway favourites at the weekend? I think I think we are. Um, Wicklow and Weegans definitely will feel, you know, they'll be disappointed that they didn't, you know, as, as Kieran said there, that fourth spot looked very competitive between the two of them and UUL came out and over and managed to sneak it on the, on the last day and, and they got the results. You know, Wicklow, Wicklow were outstanding this year. I won't take anything from them. They definitely deserve... They definitely deserved if they got fourth place, they deserved it. Fifth place definitely for them was phenomenal. Um, you know, Setonians on their day can be a very good team. It's just whether they can get that performance this weekend below in Galway. If they can get that performance, that will definitely put a huge, a huge shock into going into that conference final. But Wicklow definitely for me looked a team to beat out of out of those four teams. Um, I think they'll they'll convincingly convincingly win that semi-final. And we'll get the home advantage in the final. And I've seen what they're, you know, they've got a fairly good home support down there. And if they can get the uh, home support in the final, I mean, I think I think the, the neutrals would want Wicklow and Weegans in the final. But, you know, the, I'd say going by the form guide, it looks like those two teams will definitely be be the contingent for those, um, for the final places. But I won't knock Satorians. We could see a shock. We've seen it a couple of times this season where teams have gotten results or played really well, but mightn't have gotten the win on the day. So, you know, when we saw Satorians earlier on in the season, they did fairly well down in Galway. Can they replicate it is going to be the big question. One of those people who's going to be supporting in Wicklow at the weekend is yourself, Kieran. Uh Talk to us about your expectations for the game. Uh, looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. Because the first three games that I did last year when Wicklow joined the AAL, they shipped like 268 points in the first three games. And there was a lot of... There was a lot of people saying some negative things, you know, maybe they shouldn't be in the AIL, maybe they don't deserve to be there. So seeing the way people are talking now and considering them conference favourites, maybe, it's amazing. The, the difference in the club in the last 15 months, it's it's massive. But I do agree with Dermot. Setonians are obviously the conference defending champions. They won it last year. And, you know, who knows on their day what they can produce. That's the thing about the likes of Setonians, Galwegians and Wicklow. They're all kind of of a similar level, so anything can really happen 
on any day. Uh, the one thing is, if Wicklow and Galwegians do make it to a final against each other, that'll be really, really competitive because I think there was two points that separated them when they met mm. down in Galway. So I think that would be a fantastic game next Saturday to kind of top off a really good, what should be a really good weekend for women's rugby with the A final on Friday. The only disappointing thing is that some of the girls are away now because with the sevens, um, and some of them might have been playing for their clubs, you know, this weekend. I know a few girls from a few clubs are out. So that's the only kind of negative that we won't see them in action. But I think it is a really exciting couple of weekends coming up in women's rugby. But there's so much rugby coming up in the next few months. But the sevens, we've got the Interpros in January. We have a new look cup slash second round of the league um, in, after the Interpros. It's a busy time in the game. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the Interpros for the women. You've got the skills coming up, which I love. Uh, you've got them in all four provinces. Then you've got the Six Nations, the under-20 Six Nations. Like, everything kind of happens at once, you know. There, there isn't a massive break, you know, after Christmas. You're pretty much into the thick of it pretty fast. So, yeah, loads of rugby. Look, I'm not complaining. That's all I do is watch rugby, so... Fair enough. Well, listen, earlier today, uh, we well, let's wrap up the, the women's stuff first. Uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and kind of finding out what's been going on in the women's league. We haven't given it probably as much focus as we would like on the show. It's been busy over the last few weeks. It's been a lot of rugby to be played, so really good to give it a good feature tonight and the best of luck to all four teams uh, in both competitions, the, the Cup and or the league, should we say, and the conference uh, semi-finals this weekend. It's going to be an exciting time, that game, of course. All games like 5 o'clock on Saturday evening, uh, highest-ranked teams are at home and uh, get, a, get along to a game and uh, if you can, just uh, avoid Kieran because he'll have your ear bent with Wicklow. Uh, but now, in, in terms of that, uh, we move on to, very quickly uh, to a uh, conversation you had, Kieran. Do you want to introduce this? Uh, you spoke to Garrod Prendergast. Tell us a bit about this before we, uh, we started earlier in the day. Yeah, I spoke to Garrod. Obviously, I did the commentary for Trinity Young Munster on, um, on Saturday and that was a massive win for Young Munster. Their second big win in a row because they were the first team to beat Clontarf, they broke Clontarf's 20-game winning streak. So Young Munster have had a massive couple of weeks. Uh, Garrod's a really experienced manager, a coach. He's been with uh, coaching in the AIL for 11 seasons now, I think. And he's coached the Ireland clubs as well. And he's the brother of Mike Prendergast, who's um attack coach for Munster this season. So Garrod has a load of experience in the game and he's great to talk to. And he, he loves promoting the AIL and talking about it. So... I was just really happy to get the opportunity to speak with him. Here's what you had to talk about earlier today. And now I'm delighted to be joined by Young Munster head coach Gerard Prendergast. How are you? Good, Karen. Thank you. And yourself? All good, all good. I'm sure you're delighted after that big win, 25-24 in College Park last weekend. Yeah, of course. It was a, it was a super win. Um, Left it late, um, but uh, it was a great win. Listen, they're a they're a top quality side. They're, they've a proven track record. You only have to look at their their form this year. Um, very difficult place to go. So we're we're thrilled with the win. I think something that really stood out to me was your set piece. Your set piece was very well drilled, and it made it very hard for Trinity at times. Yeah, listen, uh, there's credit there to the players, obviously, for implementing it, and then. To our forwards coach Ger Slattery, and we've got help there from Mikey Madden as well. But Ger, Swiss in particular, has been there for the last number of years now, doing a brilliant job with them. And uh, yeah, hats off to him and hats off to the lads. Um, 
did an excellent job. It was a big line out there at the end, right at the last play, and you saw the quality of our mall as well. Yeah. It was well taken, well spotted by Jack Lyons on the short side and well finished by Connor Phillips. So, yeah, you're, you're right. The set piece has been a real strength of ours this year so far. The thing, a player that stood out for me was Dan Walsh. I think he's been in tremendous form for you guys the last few weeks. I'm, am I right in saying he tried it over in England for a couple of seasons? He was trying to make he, he, it over he, there. Yeah, he'd one season there. <clears throat> it's hard years are hard now with COVID. It was, it was. I think it was just the start of COVID that year, 20, 2020, I think it was. Uh, spent the year there, and then thankfully we we're glad to see him come back. Dan is a. Dan is a really quality player. He's a great bloke, but he's a he's a top quality player. Uh, moved into back from back row to hooker there a couple of years ago, but can play both. And um, as you said, he was outstanding last week, as were a number of others. But um, Dan, Alan Kennedy, these guys, John Foley. I, I'm, I'm slow to name names because um, just so many of them. But uh, from that from last Saturday, obviously. But uh, yeah, no, Dan's a he's a top quality player. Even that back three you had lining out for you, maybe they didn't get the chances that. You know they would usually get, but Connor Phillips took his at the end. Then you've got a, you've got the fullback Pat Campbell, who's a player for the future, really. And then you've got the punisher Connor Hayes on the wing. So you've got a lot of talent in the squad. There is, there's a huge amount of talent, but you need it in this league. I mean, you you only have to look around the other the other clubs, and they they have similar talent. But like the, the three lads you've mentioned, and you know Shane McCarthy, they're playing the centre, playing the wing as well, and we've other high quality wingers as well. Jack Harrington's injured at the moment. Pat Ryan's injured and, and, and there's a number of other players that have Evan O'Gorman's played earlier in the year Fionn Gibbons obviously Dan Dan Goggin came on for us last week as well Harry Fleming you look across that back line Evan Cusack the, the halfbacks we have we're, we're lucky but again I'll reiterate you, you need you need that level of personnel that level of quality because you know the Tars the Trinities etc they're the Terniors obviously they're just they're very strong so um, but yeah the three lads did very well last week I thought they played very well that's what I was going to ask you next, I suppose. Going back a couple of weeks to that Clontarf win, the first team to beat them in 20 games, I think, in the league. How was how did that feel for you guys? And what a momentum shifter was it for your season? Uh, potentially. I mean, you know, I suppose there's a there's a fairly there's a core group there now that have been playing one A for a number of years now. So we've experienced some real highs and some real lows. Um we started the season last year brilliantly. if I remember correctly, we won our first six, six, seven games. And then unfortunately, a number of injuries started kicking in, and then our, our, our season dropped a bit. So this year's been the other way, a little bit of the other way around, where we've had some disappointing results. And, and Tariff was definitely a big win for us. They're, look, they're a super side. I mean, huge pack, and a really experienced backline with some exciting players. So as you say, to, to turn them over was fantastic. But it, it took a lot out of us. It was a, it was a big game, and um, look, we've got to go up there after Christmas. So that's going to be another big challenge. But it's definitely been a and uh, it's definitely been a bit of a, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe a bit of a kickstart. And then to follow it on with last week's win has, has helped with momentum. But look, we're facing into another big challenge the weekend now against a, an informed Shannon team. Yeah, you're facing the Shannon team, I suppose, who had a bit of a baptism of fire coming back up to 1A. But Pat O'Connor seemed to, they're improving with each performance, I think, even if they're not winning all the time. And the, the five o'clock kickoff as well adds an extra bit of spice to the game, you know? It does. Look, there's there's a real history in that game. We've had plenty of big local derbies over the last few years and it's great to have Shannon back up in the division, having those Limerick derbies, Tolman Park, five o'clock and Munster played the night before. So hopefully there'll be a big crowd there and I know there's a lot of interest in it. And yeah, absolutely credit to Pat, to Stephen, to Stephen Keown, 
the rest of the coaching and management team. They've they've done a fantastic job. They're they're a young side, but they're a very talented side. So and they've they've proven that with the results they've had recently. And they're a team like yourselves that are very strong in the set piece, very physical. They've got the likes of Kelvin Brown, Lee Nicholas. So do you think it'll be that type of game again where it's kept in tight and a lot of big hits and a lot of emphasis on the scrum and line-out time? Possibly. I mean, uh, like, you know, I suppose there was elements of us trying to play even last week as well against Trinity where there was times where we did get into that kind of high-phase game and when we did, we proved to be quite effective. It's just getting that consistency. Uh, and Shannon are well able to do it themselves. I've seen him do it, but um, yeah. But look, it's it's hard to disagree with you. I mean, the the set piece for them is very strong. Their mall is well strong. Their line out very well run. So uh, we'll have to be performing at really high level to to match them. I think you're sitting in fifth at the moment, maybe on 19 points. And last mm. year, I think you finished sixth. And you kind of just missed out, as you said, the injuries kind of cost you later on in the season. You started the season really well. I think you had a massive win over Lansdowne in the Aviva, the actual main Aviva pitch. That was a really standout moment for you guys. But how important is it for you that they keep this momentum going and they don't let it kind of die off? Well, it's the key because it, 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 trying to get into the top four is so competitive. And, you know, I, I suppose a team no one has mentioned is Cork on and you have to take your hat off to them. I mean, they've been very consistent over the last number of weeks and I know there was a lot of spotlight on them in the last few days because George Coomer had that huge long-range kick up in Ballinahinch and fair play to them. Just give him a mention, it was an incredible kick. But um, yeah, so you, you just see, look at teams like Cons and obviously Ternior and even Tarf and Trinity, obviously. I know they've had a couple of defeats, but overall they're, they're very consistent teams. Ballinahinch have hit form again this year. Lens done a very strong side. So And Shannon are starting to find form. So... Yeah, look, it's 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 important that consistency and, and that momentum is probably the word I'd use. It's a it's a big thing because at the same time, while it's it's a it's a marathon and not a sprint, you definitely need it going. When you turn Christmas and the, the fixtures turn around, you need that momentum to kick you into the new year. So well, look, our eyes are just firmly focused on Shannon out to begin. It's a big game for us and then hopefully we'll that a win there would lead us nicely into the last game against Terenure. Well, that I was just going to shortly mention that, you know, uh, the turn your how good they're doing this season. It's actually amazing, really. You talk about how competitive the league is and how hard it is to get wins, but they're breezing through it, it looks. You know, seven wins out of seven, all 35 points taken. How impressed have you been by them this season? Oh, very impressed. I mean, they're they're a good side. Um, you know, credit to Sean and to, to the team there, all the coaching team, they've, they're they're very well drilled. Uh, they know how to win games. They're quite experienced. Um, they play a nice brand of rugby. So yeah, they're, they're ticking a lot of boxes at the moment and that's again been proven in the results. I mean, it's not tariff as, as we know. Castle Avenue is not an easy place to go and to come out of there with a win uh, was very impressive. So yeah, I suppose I haven't really given them much thought now because my eyes are so fixed on Shannon, but um, that'll be another big game for us before, before the break. And I suppose with the way the season goes, you have those two games coming up and then the way it turns around, you have them again in the new year. So it's kind of a block of four, if you like, almost. It is, it is. But I, I suppose I'd, I'd refer back to that experience that we have, that we're kind of used to the structure now and how it works. Um, we have a huge game against Corcon and the Senior Cup in between all that. And uh, on the 17th of December, we play Corcon in the sem- Senior Cup semi-final at home. And then we have the Christmas break and then we're, we're back into, we're actually doubling up with the Terranure game on the 14th of January. That's going to be a, that's going to be a Bateman Cup semi-final as well as an AIL match, so it'll, uh, it'll be a big occasion. But but there's loads of rugby to be played before then. Uh, but yeah, that 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 turnaround it's, 
it's it, there's a lot of pluses to it. You're playing a team, and then a few weeks later, you're playing them again, and then you work back the other way. So um, we're used to it, and it's a, it, we've no issue with it. It's a it's a good system. I suppose for you, what's the goal kind of this season? Is it to make that top four and get there this time around? Yeah, there has to be the ambition. I mean, you look at the time and effort that goes into this from everyone, from players, from coaches, from the club, <clears throat> to compete at this level. It's very demanding. So you're doing it to be the best you can be. And for us, we believe we can make the top four. We've done it before. Uh, we've been, unfortunately, over the years, we've been unlucky in semi-finals, but... Um, that's our goal is to get there. But there's a long way to go. We know it's a big challenge. Um, but I, I keep going back to the game-by-game game approach. And I suppose given the momentum we have now with a big win against like Trinity and Tarf, hopefully that carries us into the, the remaining games. Yeah, hopefully. And the last thing I was really going to ask is, am I right in saying Mike Prendergast is your brother? Yes, absolutely. So, I'm, I'm known as Mike Prendergast's brother of... Unfortunately the for me, coach for, uh, the attack coach for Munster. How do you think he's got on this season? It's been tough for Munster at times, but do you think they're really starting to kick into gear now? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I mean, obviously, the highlight of the last few weeks was the South African game, but even last week in the win against Connacht in really difficult conditions uh, was very impressive. So yeah, no, he's 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 really enjoying it. Um, loving his time back here. He's back home. It really. In, Enjoyable time in France. Of course, he's there with his family, his young kids, and they loved it. And some of his kids were actually born rare there. So um, he's had really some fantastic experiences over there, working with an array of you know world famous players and the likes of Racing and Stad and so on. But um, he's brought all that experience home now, and and is thoroughly enjoying it. And you know, it's it, uh, listen. There's been a lot said about Munster, but it's going to be it's going to take time. It's like anything. You look at any top team and any top sport; these these transitions they take time, uh, but you can still see the green shoots are coming through now, and they definitely want to play a particular brand, which I think hopefully will be exciting, and you can again see elements of that. So it's a young squad as well. I think what I'd be most excited about are the young players coming through, um, some really talented guys there. So the future's bright, and um, yeah, it's great. It's great to have them home as well. I read an article there during the week because obviously Andy Friend is heading away now. I actually read an article where they said Mike could be a contender for the Connick job. Right, okay. Uh, no, I haven't seen it and I haven't heard and, uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't heard anything about that, but he's, I think his eyes are firmly fixed now on, on the job at hand and um, being as competitive as they can be now this year. And please God, they will be. And, you know, the thing about the streams is, I suppose, and going back to the game at the weekend, the AIL is such an important part of rugby in this country, you know, grassroots level. And even for yourself, I think you've coached Irish clubs, haven't you? So you've seen a lot of the players throughout the years. How important do you think it is that the AIL gets promoted? Well, listen, it's vital. Um, I'm hearing that we're going to be streaming our game uh, against Terenure, which is great. Uh, and again, like seeing yourselves do it. And I might add just genuinely really good job last week against Terenure, having the commentary, etc. But look, I, I, I'm, I'm years saying this. I, I do in any interview I've ever done. I'm, I'm like a broken record talking about the quality that's in the All-Ireland League. Um, and if you just look at even a lot of the guys now that are starting to kick through in the pro game, I mean, they've had, they've had plenty of, of All-Ireland League experience. I was listening to a, a, an interview from Stuart Lancaster yesterday and he started naming off young players' names in Leinster. And all of them have been playing regular AIL. Um, you look at someone like Jack Crowley now kicking through in Munster, really exciting talent. But again, had the AIL experience. Joey Carberry go back the years with Clantarf. So you can Patrick give... Patrick Campbell too you know, and young Munster is 
Oh yeah, of course. Example. I mean, our own guys now, like Pad and all these guys, and Conor Phillips has played this year, and Owen O'Connor. So, and then you look at the Keenans and the Joshes and the, the Gavin Coombs and the Finneans, all those guys, Dan Goggin, Calvin, and and again all the other clubs players. So, I suppose the point I'm making is that it's it's such an important platform for the pro game, but equally, it provides an opportunity for guys that won't play pro to play rugby at a very high level. Um, not everyone makes it as a pro, as we know. It's very challenging. The numbers are quite small that actually do go go through. So even in the academies, it's it's quite challenging. So you know, if if the pro game isn't for you and you don't get there, it's certainly the next best thing. Um, yeah. the, and you can just see in the last couple of years, I'm involved a long time in it. The crowds are really starting to come back. The interest is there. There's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more buzz around the AIL, and it's uh, it's just great to see onwards and upwards with it. Really. It's funny you say that because after Connor Phillips went in the corner, there was a big roar from one of the crowd. He goes, "Go on, monsters!" It just made me smile. You know that that passion that he had—you could hear it in his voice. Yeah, yeah. And it was—I suppose. Look, it was. It was. It was reflected in when we came off the pitch. You could see it in the supporters' faces. And um, you know, it's again like Saturday now in Tolman Park. I know it's a it's a huge stadium, but I, I'd expect to be a big crowd there. We played Gary Owen local derby earlier in the year. I think there was well over 2,000 people there. So, <clears throat> And you see some of the crowds in the Dublin games as well. Huge crowds. Looking at Terenure and Tarf there last week. Castle Avenue looked fairly full. So um, it's 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 a it's a really high standard. And these guys, in fairness to the club, to the players, they're giving up a huge amount of time and sacrifice to play rugby at this level. Absolutely. And I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. And hopefully you guys can make the top four. Thanks, Kieran. Appreciate it. And that was a uh, great interview there with uh, Garwood Turner. He seemed uh, very happy with the week he's or the fortnight even he's had. Yeah, well, when you're the first team to beat the champions Clontarf in 20 games and then you go to College Park, I don't know when the last time they lost in College Park was. So to do that back to back, it's two teams that top two teams that are in the top three of the league. Like it's it's massive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take a quick look at that Division 1A table. Today, as it stands, uh, and you see the young monster have been bumping up themselves up the table. They're currently in fifth place. Very impressive from Terry Neuro, though. They're the team to beat five, uh, five points from seven games, 35 total, and a nice little gap themselves at the top of the table. In terms of the actual results from last weekend, Shannon beaten a uh, beat UCD 36-24. Brown Hinch went down 20-13 to Cork Con, while Terry Neuro had that win against Clontarf. In Castle Road, 24-29, the final score there. Dumb University, 24, Young Munster, 25. That late winner for Young Munster, great result for them. And Lansdowne, 47, Gary Young, 28. A very one-sided game uh, in the Aviva Stadium. Um, so it's been a, an interesting kind of uh, week. Your thoughts? What was your, your highlight of the week? I suppose the fact that Taryn Yor beat Clontarf in Clontarf, it, it shouldn't go unnoticed, I think, you know. That was the final last year, and on that day, Clontarf came out on top. But it's more the thing that nobody's got close to even beating Tarnior. Like, there hasn't even been a moment where you go, Oh, somebody could get them here, or Oh, they might lose here. It literally just hasn't happened. Like, they've taken 35 points out of 35, and they've done it pretty easily. Like, it's it's worrying. Like, unless, unless something happens to them in the second half of the season, like, Unless they somehow lose a rake of players or something, or they just have a really bad run of form, I, I really can't see anyone beating them just the way they're playing. They're, they're a well-oiled machine at this point. Trinity this weekend, can they pull it off? 
Uh, Trinity have a massive two weeks coming up. They have Terenure away, and then they have Corcon at home. So massive two games coming up. It would be it would be a massive statement from Tony Smith's side to beat Terenure in Terenure, and it would get them right back on track. But to be honest, Lakelands is a very tough place to go and get a result. Most of the teams that have went to Lakelands this season, they've been put to the sword. I don't think Trinity will be put to the sword as much because Trinity are a very good side. I think it will be a very competitive game. And who knows what can happen on the day, but you'd have to go for Karen Yor. Like, just the way they're playing this season, like it's hard to bet against them in any kind of week or any kind of game. They're your tip for the league? Uh, they have to be. Okay. And moving on to Division 1B, of course, uh, Bambridge 35, Nace 20, City of Armagh 31, Old Belvedere 20, Malone 20, Highfield 17, St. Mary's College 9, Buccaneers 23, UCC 15, or Wesley 25. What strikes you there as kind of the big results of the weekend? I suppose Buccaneers got to be looking at them at top of the table. Yeah, Bucs 6. I think they're 6 from their last 6 games they've won now. And they're at top of the table and they're looking really, really good at this level, you know. And the other thing was the two teams at the bottom, Malone and Bambridge, got two much needed victories at the weekend. So massive for them. The one thing though that's striking me at the moment, UCC, if I'm correct, have lost their last three games and they won their first four. So they're on a they're on a really kind of serious decline, it looks like, and probably not something they anticipated when they started so well. So Michael Bradley will be keen to fix that as soon as possible. Yeah, of course, they got beaten at home by Old Wesley last week and it put Wesley level with them when it could have been a, an opportunity to put 10 points between them and put themselves back into the top two or three spots. Um, are they in danger of missing out maybe on a, on a playoff run here? I think you see, I think they're just going through a blip in form. I, I don't really know what it is, to be honest, because I don't really know anyone in UCC, but... You know, from going, they obviously came down from 1A and then they started life in 1B pretty well, like 1-4 from 4. And I think they've lost their last three games, which is quite strange. Like, sometimes in 1B, because it's so competitive, you can have a team wins one week and then loses by a couple the next week. And it kind of goes like that for a while. Um, But, yeah, it's pretty. I'm pretty surprised by their recent results. And another team that are probably the dark horses, to be honest with you, is City of Armagh. I think they've been really good from home this season. I think they've been flawless from home. And they're sitting second in the table now, if I'm correct. So, like, for them to be there, I think they could be serious dark horses. They're a team with a lot of talent, I know. And uh, who knows? Belvedere need a, Oh, Belvedere need a win this weekend. They're at home to Malone. And that's a massive kind of bottom-of-the-table clash. And I was very surprised by Nace losing to Manbridge, to be honest, as well, during last weekend. Yeah, it's all getting very, very tight. We're going to see that in a couple of other divisions uh, further on in our roundup as well. Division 2A, Balamina, a big win, 16 points to spare, 26-10 over Dolphin. Cashel with six points over Old Crescent, 14-8. Emmy Barnhold, 32. Navin, 12. Nina Orman, 32. Queen's University, 24. Just missed out on a losing bonus point there. While Blackrock College had a good win down in UL Bowes, uh, 26-31, the final score there. Um, anything strike you from that division? Two A's, really, it's one of those that's getting really, really tight if we look at the league table. Yeah, well, just the fact that uh, Queen's University are slipping down a little bit, you know. They, they were obviously very dominant last season, as we say most weeks, and they looked pretty dominant at the start of this season, but they'll be looking to climb back up. Blackrock College only came up from 2B this season, and to be top of 2A, they'll be loving life. 
Um, you know, and then you've got Casho up there as well. I think are they the team playing Blackrock? Or no, it's Nina, is it playing Blackrock uh, this weekend? But yeah, I mean it's a very competitive division and to see Black Rock up there top is quite surprising and UL Bows at the bottom. Not many people would have said that at the start of the season. Yeah, of course. Uh, Cashel, uh, they do have a game. They travel to Queen's University for that second versus third position. So it's a chance for one of them to really stake a claim for uh, a chance to get into that challenge, I suppose, with Black Rock for the league title at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2A it seems really competitive. And to be honest, with the way it runs in with Christmas, you have the two games and then you have the reverse fixture straight after Christmas. So it's quite interesting. I consider these games like a block of four almost. You've got the home and the away with the two teams. So this is a really important block. And I always think whoever can come out of this block well, you know, can really push on then for the rest of the season. So the next four games across all the divisions is really important. Yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, you see the likes of UCC with big games coming up and, and they got to push on. and then, But then they face the same teams again yeah. just after Christmas. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But at least they'll be out of the way and they'll be able to mount a proper challenge. 2B, again, another one where the bottom side's struggling, uh, but they've managed to come out, out of that. If we look at the actual fixtures there, sorry, I dropped them off. Uh, Belfast Harlequins beaten 10-15 by Duncan. Greystones with a tight victory over Galwegians. Galway Corinthians win on the road 26-20 at Malahide. Wanderers 21-14 against Rainy Old Boys and Sligo 17-10 against Enniscorthy. Losing bonus points in all five games and the tightness of the league really compounded then on the actual table itself. When we look at that with only 10 points separating second and eighth, five points separating third and eighth. In theory, Malahide or Sligo or Rainy Old Boys could actually be in third place at the end of the weekend. Yeah, no, it's a really tight division, as you said. You know, a couple of results here or there could completely kind of flip it over. Um, Greystones, to be fair, seven out of seven. You know, they're looking really, really good. Uh, I think they were in a similar enough position this time last season as well. Um, and obviously, things are things are probably going to benefit them a bit more this time around because if you finish first, you will go up, I think, is what it's going to be this year like it was in previous years. And then they changed it because of covid so Greystones will want to keep doing what they're doing. And uh, then, the, as you said, the competition for those top four places, you've got um, Belfast Harlequins in there, you've got Rainy Old Boys in there, you've got Wanders in there. Like, it's really, really competitive. Corinthians have looked really, really good this season. Uh, Galwegians only lose by two points against Greystones. I know they had home advantage, but even I was thinking, that's a good result for them, considering how things have been going. Um. Sligo got a really important win over Enniscorthy, kind of a kind of bottom half of the table, must win for both. Enniscorthy just haven't really got going in 2B yet. Who knows what can happen in the second half of the season for them. But yeah, it's a really competitive division. And I think those top four spots, they're they're gonna be still open come even the last game of the season, like with a few teams in the mix. Yeah, for me, Galway Corinthians and Belfast Harlequins probably the game of the weekend in terms of the impact it's going to have on those top few positions and particularly in that playoff uh, or that chase of Greystones at the top of the table. Uh, Division 2C, uh, Clonmel beaten 14 points to 28 by the all Conquering Instonians at their seventh uh, bonus point victory. Ballina, Middleton, 13 points apiece. Oma Academicals, 13-14 against Bangor. Um, Sunday's well beaten 10-3 by Brough. And Tullamore, they beat Scaries 18-16 at home. Um, 
Estonians, we've talked about them every week on the show. It's almost getting like I feel like I'm a broken record this week, but can they go the whole season like this? We're well, seeing they're... so many divisions where the, the new boys, the team that only come up to that grade, have just blown everybody away. Yeah, well, they're on a similar kind of trajectory as Tarnior, um, taking all 35 points that are available. Nobody's really got close to them. They're kind of just running away with it. I think from Twitter, I can see that the atmosphere in the club is really good at the moment. I suppose when you're winning all the time, of course, it's going to be. And then you've got a really competitive kind of battle for those top four spots. You've got Tullamore in there. You've got Scaries in there. Uh, yeah, but Instonians, look, if... If you were if you had a fiver and you said Will and Sonians go up, you'd ha- or win the league, you'd have to say probably yeah, with the way they're going. Like and to go up from junior rugby, I say it every week, but to go from junior rugby then to two C straight up to two B is a massive achievement, really. Murray talked earlier about the structures in the women's game and kind of the changing of the league format from year to year doesn't really help get that kind of settled feel, in her opinion. Um are we looking at maybe the, the year or two affected by COVID where teams didn't move up and down based on results shown in the league tables with the likes of Buccaneers, the likes of Blackrock College and Stonians, even Ballina and UCC to a lesser extent on the on the on the downward trajectory, for want of a better word, and that's probably a little bit harsh on UCC, but we're seeing teams dropping down and going straight to the bottom of the table or coming up and going straight to the top of the table. Do we need to maybe look at some sort of a system where we can restructure and regrade teams, and or or are we just waiting and let teams get through the system as they normally would? I think just keep going the way you're going, and then you know, because I think with COVID, there's been a lot of teams that have been lucky, and then a lot of teams that have been unlucky. Um, you know, you've got old Wesley in one B that really probably should be a one A side, but they're not because of the way things fell with COVID. And then you've got Greystones as well, probably should be a 2A side, but they're not because of COVID. And then you've got some other teams where luck has probably went their way. You know, they finish bottom and maybe they're not finishing bottom at the minute and they're doing mid-table, but in regular in regular seasons, they would have went down and maybe things would have been different. They would have lost certain players and maybe they would have been going completely downhill. So I think there was positives and negatives to it, depending on what kind of end of the spectrum you were on. But I think... Yeah, I think it is different with the women's though because there, first of all, there isn't as many clubs, and also a lot of the, like I wouldn't say top talent, but a lot of the the Irish internationals or the Leinster players, they do end up going to one of the one of the big three in Dublin, whether it be Railway, Blackrock, and Belvedere. Like that's just the way it is. Like you know, I think that's the big difference. Whereas in the AIL with the men's, you've got. You've got plenty of clubs to go to. And then underneath that, you've got really good junior club um, leagues as well that it can be really competitive and a really good level. So I think, yeah, I think the league's all right. You know, I know years ago there was no such thing as 2C. I know it was 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. And then 2C kind of came in. They split 2B, I think, and they made 2C out of that. But I think it is good to have the five divisions. Uh, I think just keep going the way they're going, really. I think the top team should go up straight away, um, to be honest. I think if, if you've been consistently good over a period, you know, you should be going up. And that's the only real thing that was bad about COVID, you know, that certain teams, the Greystones, the Wesleys, the Queens, that, that probably should have went up. I know in Enniscorthy's case, they finished top and they did end up going up. 
so they it didn't matter to them. But for the other kind of three teams where they dominated the league for large parts and didn't go up yet, you'd have to feel for them. Absolutely. Well, listen, that's pretty much it for this week. We're about to hit the hour mark. We don't like going over that 60 minutes because I know mostly don't hang around as long as we would uh, like to keep talking. But we are a phenomenal weekend. actually the second last uh, penultimate round of games in the men's league this side of Christmas. But more importantly, it is the semi-finals of the women's competition and some absolutely mouth-watering clashes uh, to be had on Saturday. Uh, we'll, of course, have full updates and score uh, checks on all of those games on Saturday, as usual, on finalwhistle.ie. If you just click into rugby and look at live scores, uh, wherever you happen to be, you'll get those results as they happen uh, in real time across the entire league. Kieran, thanks again for joining me. Um, no worries, perfect. A pleasure as always, and to Mairead, Garrods, and of course, Dermot, who joined us earlier in the show as well. Uh, great to be uh, just chatting rugby, just chatting about sport in general uh, over the last hour or so. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with you again next week for another episode of the Rugby Show here on FinalWhistle.ie. We'll chat to you over the weekend uh, across our socials with all the updates from the games. Talk to you then.